eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball, Players Edition. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Taking you inside the clubhouse for the biggest stories across the game with former major leaguers. Bellinger swings, high fly ball down the line. Off of the Featuring ex-outfielder turned Radio.com sports insider and San Diego Padres analyst Tony Gwynn Jr. They're not going to be pushed around at any point, regardless of what their record is. And former catcher turned Radio.com sports insider and Philadelphia Phillies analyst Ben Avis. It's very alarming. I had them right about 500. It's all on Radio.com sports big time baseball players edition. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio.com sports Big Time Baseball, Players Edition, alongside Tony Gwynn Jr. I'm Ben Davis. To give you a little bit of background about myself, I spent parts of seven years in the big leagues with the San Diego Padres, the Seattle Mariners, and the Chicago White Sox. I currently do the color for the Philadelphia Phillies on NBC Sports Philadelphia uh, in, the, in the booth alongside Tom McCarthy and Greg Murphy and also John Crook. Um, it's a, uh, it's a thrill to, to watch my hometown team play every night and, and give a little background of, as to what I'm seeing out on the field. And, uh, Tony Gwynn Jr., why don't you tell us about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, Tony Gwynn Jr., parts of eight seasons in the big leagues with the Brewers, the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Phillies. Um, I then transitioned into the broadcasting game, uh, on radio for the last, Three years, uh, I, I start, got my start in Los Angeles doing uh, the, the pre- and post-game show, and I currently do that here in San Diego. I also have a radio show uh, called Gwen and Chris on 97.3 The Fan here in San Diego. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's ironic that Ben and I are doing a, a podcast together because I was a young tyke running around the Padres locker room when, <laughs> when he was on that team. So uh, me and Ben go way back, if you will. 
Yeah, it is, it is a joy to work with you, Junior. And uh, each week we'll dig into some top stories across baseball, giving you a breakdown of the games and biggest headlines from our perspective as former major leaguers. And we'll also have a variety of baseball choices on the podcast. Seattle Mariners outfielder D. Gordon will join us later on the episode, so really looking forward to that. Players Edition is part of Radio.com, which allows you to listen to your favorite radio stations for free, anytime, anywhere. Listen to over 300 stations and over 1,100 podcasts. Explore by location or genre to find music, news, and sports from your own location or across the country. You can follow Radio.com Sports on Twitter at RDC Sports. Well, let's get right into it, Tony. We uh, a lot going on right now in baseball as we near the All-Star break. Hard to believe that it's we're actually even talking about the All-Star break. This season is flying right. by, and um, you know, getting to watch the Phillies play just about every day, and and I know you getting to watch the Padres play every day. We have pretty much the, the National League East, National League West break broken down, and um, having the Phillies just play the Braves and and moving out of first place. Just wanted to talk about those Braves for a second. I was very impressed when we were out on the West Coast uh, with the Dodgers, Tony, about their lineup, their starting pitching. Uh, more impressed more so with their lineup. What The Phillies just went down to Atlanta, and it's funny because we actually opened the season with Atlanta here at home and swept them. And I didn't think a whole lot of their offense. I thought they had some holes. Boy, they've turned it around, and this is a, a lineup that I'm looking at now with Acuna Jr. at the top and Freddie Freeman. Um, these guys are as good as anybody and as deep as anybody. They can get you from the right side, from the left side. Uh, they all have tremendous at-bats. And with runners in scoring position, you have to make good quality pitches because they'll keep fouling balls off until they get the, the one to their liking and, and they'll attack. Uh, but this lineup is as deep as I've seen. And, um, you know, adding Dallas Keuchel to that rotation, I think it's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And kind of, you know, this looks like a team that's going to be have to be reckoned with the entire season. Yeah, no doubt about it. 13-4 and four <clears throat> in the month of June. I mean, uh, really have, have kind of taken off in this month. And, and listen, you look at this offense, and you look, try to find where they're getting the productivity from. Obviously, Acuna Jr., the reigning National League Rookie of the Year, uh, is at the top of that list, right? He's hitting about 297. Uh we also have uh, Dansby Swanson has all of a sudden started to figure things out at the plate. Albies is doing the same. He's their eight-hole hitter. You, you're getting that kind of production um, from, from the eight-hole, you're going to be doing all right. But I think one of the sleepiest additions that they've had, and he's been pretty solid for him, is Josh Donaldson. And mm-hmm. I, I was I was very critical of that signing when they made it, just thinking they overpaid for the one year. But he's been, it, it looks like a, a, a good addition to that Atlanta Braves team and uh, there's no doubt about it he's a part of why they're playing well uh, and obviously you know Freeman is always going to do what he does he's hitting 313 on the year so I just have I have been impressed with really the young guys have really started to pick up the pace and, and you can expect the veterans to do what they've done uh, I, I think having Brian McCann he's having a terrific year yeah. he's not playing every day but hit, hit, hitting well above 290 so I, I really like that team and I, I, like you, was was not impressed with them early on in the season. I, I figured, much like everybody else, Philly could would run away with this division. But uh, it, it seems like it's going to be a dogfight to the very end there, Ben. Yeah, and, and you bring up Acuna Jr. And, and this is a guy that have, obviously was the rookie of the year last year. And then he got Soto down in, in D.C. And I'm thinking to myself last year, I'm thinking, I know Acuna won the, won the rookie of the year, but I'll take Soto any day of the week. And now I'm starting to 
take that back a little bit. I'm thinking Soto is still, he's only 20 years old. He came up last year when he was 19. But Soto being 20 years old, Acuna being 21 years old, I, I couldn't imagine. Now, I was fortunate to get to the big leagues at a pretty at a younger age, but I couldn't imagine doing the damage that these guys are doing at such a young age. It's just, it, it really blows me away to be that accomplished, have that good idea of the strike zone, and not only that, but to have the power to drive the ball out of the ballpark like these two guys. I think you can't go wrong either way. If you're going to, you know, start a team full of youngins, you know, you go yeah. with Acuna, you go with Soto, you really can't go wrong. No, you can't. And I'm a big fan of Soto. I think he has tremendous upside. Uh, I think he's going to be a better outfielder when it's all said and done. Um, and I just like the both of them. You're right. You can't pick. It's funny that you you said you can't imagine uh, uh, being that productive at that, at that young of an age. And that's probably why we're sitting there talking about it, because neither, <laughs> neither of us can imagine uh, being that productive at such a young age. But you, you know that's that is kind of the game that we're in now. It, it's about the young, up and coming talent, and, and teams are more willing to, to to give those guys a chance because ultimately they're cheaper. So uh, that'll be interesting. I, I want to move to uh, you know trade deadline still about a month and a half out, and, and one of the, the the really nasty rumors I I would call it here in San Diego is is the mentioning of even trading a guy like closer Kirby Yates who tied the franchise record for consecutive saves to start the season with 26 he's been lights out this year and with the Padres playing so many one-run games he's his value is as high as it can get so I understand although I understand why people would start mentioning his name as as far as trades because uh, I mean the Padres have have kind of uh, fallen on, on a little bit of tough times they've we won last night they won the last two nights but Prior to that, they hadn't won a series uh, since way back against the, the the Blue Jays, and I believe that was in, in at the end of May. So um, the 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 trade rumor is starting to fly around, and uh, Kirby Yates is going to be mentioned when it comes to some of these top tier uh, teams that are, are are battling for a playoff spot, or even feel like they're one piece away from you know getting to the, to the, to the ultimate goal, which is is the World Series. Uh, I'm not sure the Padres are going to be willing to give him up unless they are getting a boatload in return. Yeah, and, and, you know, he's not a household name. You think Kirby Yates, like, who the heck is that? But he's a guy that, I mean, you talk about the stats, the stats that he's put up this season. And he's doing it with, and you get to see him a lot. He's doing it with just a fastball that might reach 94, 95, right? Um, he, he relies on some movement. But other than that, I mean, he's not... He's not a guy that's coming in and lighting up the la- the radar gun the way some guys can no. do it now. What what do you think he does so well out there? It, it's really been the addition of this the addition by subtraction, right? He he was re- predominantly fastball slider. He'd occasionally mess around with a split prior to getting here to San Diego. Once he came here to San Diego, he he started really focusing on that split finger fastball, and now he's completely thrown the slider in the trash and it's two pitch mix it's it's a fastball with some movement as you said anywhere between 93 95 miles per hour but it's the split that is the neutralizer right because as a hitter when you get in that box there are two pitches that you know for a fact when he's got a good arm speed it's going to be tough to pick it up that's the split and that's the change up both of those mm-hmm. when you have good arm speed they look like the fastball coming out of the hand and they're hard to pick up and what what you'll see even with some of the best hitters he faced is that although they're not necessarily concerned about the 93 to 95 they are concerned about that split 
and it makes them a little bit hesitant every time they get ready to get in the hitting position. So that makes them just a little bit off that fastball. They'll either swing through it or, f- or foul it off, or they swing right over the top of the split. You almost have to sell out on one and hope you get it, and, and then hope it's up because when when Kirby Yates' split is actually dancing – it's unhittable, and that's why he's had such success this year. He's really focused on that two-pitch mix. He's, he's trash-canned the slider and, and has just gone fastball split and has had tremendous success this year so far. Yeah, everybody knows what it means to have that that just shut-it-down closer at the end of a ball game. As a teammate, you know, you have a guy that comes in, the, the, that, that bullpen gate opens, swings right open, you look out there and you see it, and obviously – I got to, to catch it, and you got to witness it for a lot of years in San Diego with Trevor Hoffman. Having that yeah. guy at the back end of the bullpen, where you know when, it, when those bells started ringing, Hell's Bells started playing over there at Qualcomm Stadium and then at Petco, um, it was just a different – it was almost like a, a sense of calm came over you as, yeah. a, as a player and as a teammate knowing that this game's over. You know, and yeah, the, you never you never that, feel bad for your opponent, but you're like, these guys got no chance. No. That, how, how reassuring <laughs> is that as a teammate, though? Like, seriously, you see that guy come out of the bullpen, you know he wants the ball, and you know it's, it's shut down city. You know, to have that guy and, and being able to catch Hoffy like that for those years. Uh, I remember I was catching when he, Hoffy had his 300 save, and he went on to get 300-plus more. That's how good he was. <laughs> you know, it was just it was special to, to have a guy like that at the back end of your bullpen. Yeah, when you have a guy like that at the back of your bullpen, and, and nowadays, you know, even when when you were playing, right, they had you had to walk on I me. Mean, Hell's bells was was Trevor. As soon as that song came on, all hope dissipates. Like it, it was, you just you just understand. Well, hopefully he has an off night. Otherwise, we're going home with an L. And and and, and that's you know we're on since we're on the subject of, of closers. That's why I think a lot of people feel much better about the Cubs. And although we mentioned last week that it. it they got to find a way to bridge the gap to Kimbrel. Just having him in the back end of, of your bullpen immediately makes you, I think, the team to be in the central. Uh, yeah. Brewers are. It's not as though the bullpen has really come into play because uh, the Padres have really shut the Brewers' offense down. Uh, so there really hasn't been a chance for a guy like Josh Hader to get on the mound. But uh, clearly, other than Hader on this Brewer team, which is the team that's going to be really in the mix with with the Cubs to win it. Um, Really, with 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 hate without hater, this bullpen is struggling. Remember, Corey Gennable's out for the year, who was their other solid arm uh, in that bullpen. And I was talking to, to Craig Council, the Brewers manager, yesterday, and one of the things he mentioned was that they look at their bullpen completely different, especially when it came to the playoffs. I think they were one of the teams that utilized the 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 opener in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Really, we didn't see it very much. And he was telling me that they look at it as they had their two best uh, bullpen arms. And they wanted to try to find a way to get them in the game and get as much out of them as possible because the most you ever play in a playoff game is, is, is in a row is three three days. So you, you won't really have to do more than that. You'll be able to get the rest, which is a much different monster than uh, the regular season, which I think is why they're struggling, with, at least when it comes to the bullpen other than haters, because you, you got to pitch guys in spots throughout the course of 162, and that makes it difficult. Uh, having a closer like that really helps you kind of kind of knock down at least a portion of that back into that that game yeah yeah without a doubt uh as we we move west here i'd like to talk a little bit about the american league uh the standings in the al and one team in particular and we'll get to them in a second but the yankees in addition they just made but i want to talk a little bit about this this al west and it's 
it, it blows my mind that you look at a team like a Texas that basically is just kind of trying to develop guys, but yet they're hanging around. They're in the wild card, right? And then you have the other team like the Twins that are just blowing the doors off everybody. And Cleveland, right. there's a lot of, you know, even the Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays. These, I think this, the, the American League, I think there's some sneaky, sneaky contenders in there, obviously with Texas. Um, but you look at Houston, they continue to be plagued with injuries, but they're so deep it doesn't really bother them. But you look like a team like Cleveland. They have a really good starting rotation, but, you know, there's a couple guys there that are kind of underachieving. The American League West is a division to me that I think there might be some, some – some guys on some teams that could go somewhere. Some like a minor from the from the Rangers. Um, but when when do you, Tony? If you're play GM here for me for a second, when do you as the GM say, you know what, we're out of this race, or or rather just maybe not be in the race and just try and get some prospects back for for one of my guys? I, I you know what, that's a different question this year than it's been in the past, right? Because. You know, although there was a trade deadline, it really wasn't a trade deadline, right? You could wait and pass guys through waivers and, and, and find a way to make moves. Whereas this year, you're not going to be able to do that. There's one deadline. Once that deadline ends, you, it's over. And, and right. so teams are going to have to – we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. Teams are going to have to make that decision early. And I don't know how teams are going to handle it. This is a, a new era in baseball. Uh, teams are maximizing ways to, to get guys they want – uh, for for less than they have ever had to do it. And I, I'm not 100% sure how teams are going to approach this, right, because uh, the deadline is is an actual deadline this year. And you, you mentioned teams in that in that American League West. And, and, and listen, you got the you got the Astros, and then you have everybody else. And you mentioned Texas; they're hanging around. Oakland kind of got hot there. The Angels are starting to play better, but neither of those teams, other than I think Oakland and Texas. Uh, are are will will bow out too soon? I, I don't see that happen. I mean, as you as you mentioned, in in the as it pertains to the wild card, Texas is right in the mix uh, for that wild card spot. Oakland's not too far behind at one and a half, and and, and the Angels are only two and a half. So it, as of right now, those teams have to consider themselves in it. Now I don't see the Angels making any moves a, at all, but I could see Oakland, you know, deciding. You know that they they're too far away to make that run, even though they were one of the teams that got in last year. But I think the team to watch in that division is Seattle, and you've already started seeing uh, teams move out of there, uh, or players moving out of there. Edwin Encarnacion uh, is already been moved to the to the Yankees, and I expect to see uh, some more guys off of that team, including Seager. But uh, the the bullpens, uh, I think relievers are going to be the 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 hot commodity on this particular. Uh, on this particular year for for the trade deadline, but the wild card is wide open right now, especially in that in that American League. White Sox three and three out, Angels as I said two two and a half, Oakland two, one and a half, Cleveland a half a game out, and they've been they've just kind of been stalled out it seems like all season. I I don't know I, I haven't seen a whole lot of them, but it just seems like what I have seen is. Is that they they play well for three games, they'll play mm-hmm. bad for three games, and that puts you right at about 500. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I mentioned the White Sox, Ben. Uh, this team was a, a team that you know after they missed out on the Manny Machado uh, sweepstakes, losing out to the Padres, they were very salty about it. But they're right; they find themselves right in the mix of this thing too, with some young young pitching staff uh, that's doing well. Giolito being one of those guys, he he's been phenomenal this year, Ben. You look back to last year, a very disappointing year for the for the young man. A 6.13 ERA. 
he led the the all of baseball with 118 runs earned runs given up. 118 earned runs, and he also led the American League in walks with 90. That is not a good combo. But this year, you look at him; he's, he has really turned around, and he really credits it. He, just two small minor adjustments. One, simple fact that he moved to the extreme left side of the rubber. He feels that just gives him a better angle, uh, particularly against some of these lefties. And he completely abandoned his two-seamer. He's living at the top of the zone with his four-seamer. He has good ride to his fastball. And he's made a few adjustments. And, and one guy in particular that we all know and love is Frank Thomas, Hall of Famer, uh, one of my former teammates, and obviously one of my former opponents as well. But we always tried to crowd big, big Frank Thomas. You know, who didn't? We even had the likes of Jamie Moyer with his 84-mile-an-hour fastball would try and jam him inside. <laughs> but Frank Thomas told, told Lucas Giolito, he said, listen, you have to get guys off the outside part of the plate, and the only way you can do that is to start challenging guys in, inside and moving some feet. And since then, boy, he's made the adjustments, and that just adds a little bit more life to that fastball that was slider. Um, he's, he's just really opened a lot of eyes and really turned into that guy who the Nationals took in the first round years ago. If you had watched him last year, you would have by no means come to the conclusion that that's where he would be at this year. But uh, he's having a tremendous year. I, I, re- I was in the organization with the Nationals uh, when he was uh, still a young guy trying to make his way up. And he had a propensity to kind of, you know, lose his command uh, at times. And uh, you saw a little bit of that over the last a uh, couple years, or at least last year, as he was up at the White Sox. So uh, it, it's been a huge uh, adjustment for him. It, but that's that's what it's about. That's what being a big leaguer is about, right? You come up as a young guy, you learn some new things, and, and, and you find your way. And guys who are as talented as, as Lucas Giolito is uh, tend to find their way, and, and that's what's happening right now. And that's what the White Sox were banking on uh, when they made the deal t- to get him for, 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 for Adam Eaton. So um, I'm just – I've just really been excited watching the little bit I have seen of him. Uh, You don't see that four seam fastball has some ride to it, man. And Mm -hmm. uh, and and last year, as you mentioned, he he stuck with that two seamer far too often. Teams, uh, it was almost letting teams off the hook, you know, because when you have a a riding fastball like that and you could pitch at the top of the zone, which we've seen him do much more this year, uh, you can have some success in this league, especially with the launch angle. Uh, cr- craze hitting hitting all of baseball guys trying to get the ball in the air. The counter to that is the pitch at the top of the zone, and I think that's why we've seen strikeouts go up. But more importantly, that's uh, why we've seen Giolito start to have success. Abandoning that two seamer, he's sticking with that four seamer that rides, and and and, and he's having some tremendous success uh, uh, for the White Sox. Ben, yeah, but it's not amazing though. I mean, you and I are not that far removed from big league baseball and you know professional baseball, but. If you're Lucas Giolito, you make 32 starts last year, and you end up with a 6.13 RA. I mean, there's – I hate to be that back when I played guy, but but seriously, <laughs> there's no chance I'm thinking I'm making the big league club the next season, right? There's no chance. No, no but that's that – that's the, the way it the, is nowadays. You want yeah, to see kids develop, the, not at the minor league level. You want to see them develop at the big league level. Exactly, and that is that is the key factor. Is before they wanted to make sure you had these things checked, these boxes checked before you got to the big leagues. Now they'd rather you check these boxes for some a lot of organizations when you get to the big leagues, which you know that's when it becomes a little, I think, dicey from a spectator standpoint. Is that the quality of game you want to to put out in front of you know fifteen, twenty, twenty five thousand people? Uh, and expect them to want to pay money to see it because it, it, it does the 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 whole 
the whole process of having a guy turn into a bona fide, you know, contributing big leaguer, uh, there's a process to that. And that process used to take place in the minor leagues, and it still mm-hmm. does in some, in, in some cases. But a lot of cases now, it, it no longer takes place there. It takes place at the big league level. I've watched it here in San Diego for the last two two years, you know, that I've been here. Actually, last three years that I've been here, really. And that is the toughest part for the spectators, I think, is that, you know, everybody talks about the walks and strikeouts, but it's the process. That is the process that a young player takes, uh, and it's just now happening at the big league level. So I think that's why we're hearing more about it. But you're right, Ben, there's no shot. If I hit 250, 240, 230 in the minor leagues, would I ever get a sniff at the big leagues? And that's not the case. If they think you're talented enough to be at the big league level, they want to see you make those mistakes up here now. And the other thing you notice now in today's game, I'm, I'm here early, as I'm sure you are, uh, Ben, in Philly. You see more early work uh, on the fields before the games that you I don't I can't remember I can count on it maybe on my hand in my career how much uh, early work I was out I'm talking about infield outfield type stuff right. that you do in the minor leagues yeah yeah and that's it's something I, I know that the infielders with the Phillies they work every day with Bobby Dickerson the, the infield coach um, and it's something that every first day on the road they'll take early batting practice until two o'clock they'll be on the field taking early BP and you know when we played it was just maybe two or three guys now for early batting practice, you might have six, seven guys out there. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah. they're taking their swings then, then they're taking their swings in the cage afterwards, and then they're hitting on the field during the regular batting practice. I think at a point it's maybe a little too much, and these guys are swinging all day long and, and, yeah. and watching film. It's almost like, you know, paralysis by analysis. These guys, I think it, it gets to a point that it's, now, I think it could be detrimental at times, but... Uh, some guys think it works for them, but I would agree. These guys are working their tails off before the game, infield, outfield, Joe's. I've actually seen a couple ball clubs throw to bases before the games, and that's something oh, I, that you I, just flat out never see anymore. But you're and that's what I'm talking about. Like, I've I've seen that a lot here in San Diego, and it's it's mainly because they have they had had such a young team. And the, the reps that they would have been getting in in, in El Paso or, or or San Antonio for their minor league teams, they would have been getting there. But now they they've been getting them up here at least the last year. You haven't seen as much of it this year. They got guys who got more experience, but you still see it. And you're right. Uh, whether it's uh, throwing the bases or, or actually having live at bats, where it's not two guys, it's like six, seven, eight guys out there uh, all getting hacks in. So they're definitely uh, the game has definitely changed from that standpoint. I want to move uh, a little bit to the Yankees uh, because they are really starting to turn it up a little bit, and it's due to, to finally being healthy. I mean, you already you acquired Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, you get uh, John Carlos Stanton back uh, last night for the first time all season long. Uh, uh, they, they, Aaron Judge is on his way back. He'll, he's supposedly going to be back in the next couple of weeks. This team is getting healthy, and, and, and they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. You sent the, you sent the text to us uh, last night with their projected lineup. That is not a lineup that I, I would look forward to pitching to, Ben. No. I mean, take a look at what it, what it could be. Aaron Hicks leading off, Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Giancarlo Stanton, Luke Voigt, Edwin Encarnacion at DH, Didi Gregorius, Glaber Torres, and either DJ LeMahieu or Gio Urshela. I, I mean, that is what, – what, seriously, if you're the opposing team and you're going into a series against the Yankees, all right, how are we going to pitch this guy? How are we going to pitch this guy? I would just throw the the book against the wall and say I don't know we'll just we'll just think of some stuff on the mound <laughs> we'll try and trick them out there 
this this lineup is ridiculous and it's going to i mean talk about wearing down an opposing team this lineup is unbelievable and they have parts even if they play some interleague games they have guys that can play you know they that can play the outfield like you have a couple guys in the american league they just flat out can't play the field anymore right but if you have the, the team of the Yankees, they can play corner outfield spots. They can play first or third base. It's a very deep lineup from that aspect as well. And they, they seem to complement each other too, right? I mean, this isn't a lineup. You mentioned preparing for a team like the Yankees, right? You, you go into your meetings, and generally there are like one or two guys that you kind of pay attention to. Like, we're not letting this guy beat us. And they'll still do that, but there usually is a, a somewhat of a, a, a break for the starting pitcher, right? You, you get through this portion of the lineup, okay, I can I can kind of, I don't have to be as locked in against these guys. And, and that usually gives them a little bit of a mental break. You get no mental break in this lineup. No. <laughs> These guys, no. you're going to have to have uh, full concentration, full execution against these guys because this is one of those teams that if you're not careful, they'll put up a 10 spot on you and, and embarrass you in a three-game set or a four-game set because they can put runs up in a hurry. And they have a they have a good starting rotation. They have a good bullpen. Uh, this team uh, is, is, is looking like the juggernaut we saw from the uh, Boston Red Sox last year. This team kind of looks like that this year in, yeah, in the Yankees. It's a five-inning game. It's a five-inning yeah. game. Uh, and when you come to think about it, you know, barring setbacks, barring injuries, obviously, uh, this is a five-inning ball game if you play the Yankees. And if they get a lead, it's it's game, set, match. Because the arms that they have coming out of that bullpen are unbelievable. And it's not just, not just guys with velocity. We know we have Chapman at the back end of that blowing 103. And talk about a guy that's never lost his velocity. How does how has he been able to sustain it for all these years? It it, it blows my mind, right? Because a lot of these guys, you know, there's triple digit guys, and then they really start to fall off, like like a Kenny Giles, you know, hundred mile Giles. Yeah. And he's throwing in the mid nineties now. But someone like Chapman, or all Chapman's been able to sustain that for all these years, and he's been a, in a horse to complement the other guys they have down in that bullpen that can mix in some sliders and some curveballs, but. Uh, there's some guys down there that can just, like I said, if you get hand them the ball with the lead, it's going to be a game set match. Yeah, listen, I, I've had the the pleasure of being in a box against Chapman. Uh, I, I I believe I I'm still in the Giddings Book of World Records for hardest pitch seen in the box. I think I was in the box for that 105 point whatever it was, and it's not fun. It's not fun at all. I think, you know, if you're throwing that hard, you shouldn't be allowed to pitch is, is how I feel about it because <laughs> there, there really isn't much of a shot for you to get barrel to it. I mean, it, it's just difficult. And that uh, middle relief that, that bridges to him, he does have some good arms there that ha- have really pitched well for him uh, this year. And, and the one guy I want to highlight is is, uh, is Anavito. Uh, he's been ter- terrific for that ball club this year. Coming over from Colorado, I'm talking Adam Anavito, uh, and, and that's a that's – a, that's a piece that I bet Colorado was wishing they had back right now mm-hmm. because uh, he's done a tremendous job, a 1.69 ERA uh, for that team. And and this is after getting himself in some hot water during the offseason when he said he'd punch out Babe Ruth. I think everybody knows you can't go in as a new Yankee bashing one of the all-time great Yankees, but he's quickly uh, been able to change the fans' minds because that first outing out, I remember him getting booed of uh, going to the mound. There hasn't been much booing going on since then. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned, with that lineup, that starting rotation, and, and that bullpen, this team is, is a team that should be talked about a, a, a lot more, especially going in uh, as we get closer to the playoffs. You have to expect that they're going to be one of the teams uh, that's favored to win it all. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it just, it just seems like the perfect storm for the Yankees with the, 
that lineup and the, the unbelievable bullpen. I think they have. I think the lineup and the bullpen are going to be enough to overcome whatever shortcomings they have from the starting rotation. Well, stay tuned. We will be having a, a good buddy of mine, and, and Seattle Mariner second baseman D Gordon will be joining us here uh, on Big Time Baseball. D corks this out to right field. It is back. It is back and gone. D Gordon home run number one puts the Mariners on the board. This is Big Time Baseball Players Edition presented by Radio.com Sports. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside Ben Davis. Let's bring on a good buddy of mine, nine-year Major League veteran. I can't believe I'm even saying that right now. Nine-year <laughs> veteran. D. Gord joins us at the Seattle Mariners. Thank you for sharing your time with Ben and I. What's up, Big Brody? How you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you, D. You, you're coming off, a, uh, off, of, off of a wrist injury after getting hit by a pitch. First and foremost, how are you feeling? Are you and I'm sure you're glad to be back uh, on the diamond plan. Yeah, uh, feeling better. You know, glad to be back. Uh, you know, just getting back. You know, like little stuff like getting back condition and things like that. You led the league in, in stolen bases three different times. You had 64, 58, and 60 is when you led the National League in stolen bases. It's it's really a lost art, and it's it's something that I always like being a catcher that cat and mouse game. You know, with your pitcher trying to hold a guy close at first and, you know, you trying to get off a good throw to, to nab a would-be uh, uh, base stealer. But you think it's something that obviously we're seeing the, the digression of the stolen base, especially in the National League, which was so dominant with the, with the stolen base. But do you think the stolen base will ever come back into the mainstream baseball? Uh, honestly, sir, I, I don't know at this point. Uh, the way the game's going, with the homers being up, Strikeouts being up as well, you know, you really, you really don't know. You know, just being totally honest, uh, the game's different now. You know, you know, they more tuned to your on base percentage for the guys with the whole higher on base percentage. There's no reason to pitch to that guy; he can't do no damage to you. So you'll see, you'll see probably they probably go down even more. To be honest with you, D, you know. It's different for you, man. I mean, I guess it's not too different. You last couple, you were before you were in Seattle. You were in Miami. Uh, you guys weren't necessarily in contention. Uh, now uh, you're on a team that, although you guys got off to a terrific start, you have kind of fallen back to the pack and are, are sitting at the bottom of the division. How, how does it change your preparation or, or, or mood? I guess uh, playing for a team that's rebuilding. Uh, you know what, man, you just try not to look at it and such. You just try to continue to go play hard. You know, uh, you try to be professional because at the end of the day, they are playing, paying you to play a game, and uh, you just got to be professional about it. You know, D, back in 2015, you are with the Marlins. You led the National League in hitting with a three thirty three batting average. How? What was it like for you that season? Did the ball just seem bigger to you? Did it just seem like it just came a little easier to you that year? You also led the league in stolen bases that year as well it was just a really a perfect storm for you uh you know it was just a good year but uh i honestly think my 2017 season was better than 15. really and that year you hit 308 uh with 60 stolen bases why do you why do you say that when you were you know you were 25 points less in the batting average department uh because the, the way i had to do it to get those 200 hits uh <clears throat> you know uh, it, it was a grind you know uh probably kind of going like I'm going right now. And usually Tony would know I get hot around the second half. And I was, I was able to get hot. And, uh, you know, we were kind of in contention at the time as well. D, you've, you've really 
transitioned as a player very well. I mean, you're, you're a high-energy guy, which I don't know too many teammates that don't like being around you. You bring that every day. Uh, you know, last year you, they moved you around a little bit. You know, you played a little bit of center. You played a little bit of short. Uh, you also played a little bit of second. You, you've been predominantly at second base this season, uh, and you've won a gold glove there. Is is that the position that you feel most comfortable at? Yeah, uh, you know, it's a it's a good position for me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty good over there, and I just try to help my team win ball games by playing good defense, and I think that's where I can play my best defense at. You know, D, you obviously have something in common with, with Tony Gwynn Jr., the fact that both your dads played in the big leagues. How much of an advantage do you think that is, you know, from a day-in, day-out perspective, and is there anything in particular he has told you over the years that really helped you through the grind of a big league season? Uh, you know, just to keep playing. You know, when good things are going good, things are going bad, continue to play, continue to be the same guy, and uh, I try to be. Uh, we're all human. We all don't also all succeed at it, but I definitely try. And uh, you know, honestly, you can get a little slack for being being you know a big leaguer son because you know the ins and outs and what not to do. And some guys can do some things that they're totally totally oblivious to and get away with it. And you know that's wrong, and you can't get away with it. Very true. <laughs> one of the one of the things that I always admired about you, D, and, and you're 31 now. So I would suppose that your eating habits have changed, but you have been like the only player that I've ever been around that could just smash a pizza or chicken wings, like within an hour before the game, by the way. Are your, have your eating habits gotten better as you've gotten older? No. <laughs> it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> so mean, you, you, still, you still do the I pizza and wings before like games? Guys, like, you know, get older and and they start having ankles. I mean, not ankles, like hammy problems, quad problems. And I'm not a guy who ever had that. My All my injuries I've ever had were being, like, weird injuries, like dislocated thumbs and, you know, broken toes and hit by pieces on the wrist. It hasn't really been like, oh, my body's broken down. You know what I'm saying? So it's been like no need to really change because my body hasn't broken down, honestly. Yeah, having played out in Seattle for three years, D, I know it's uh, it can be tough at times. You feel like you're on the, the edge of the world out there in Seattle. The, the, <laughs> the flights are longer. It just seems like everything takes takes a, a lot longer to get out to. Are you enjoying your time out there? Because it's a very pretty city. The, the summer times out there are gorgeous. Uh, it's a fun oh, place yeah, to be, beautiful. though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. I'm definitely enjoying my time. Man. I love playing baseball in the big leagues, no matter where it is. I'm having a great time at it. Talked a little bit about the rebuild, and I've seen your name come up in rumors uh, to be moved. How how do you? And this isn't the first. This isn't your first rodeo going through it. How how do you handle um, seeing your name in publications, hearing your name talked about uh, on the networks? Uh, how do you remain focused on the task at hand? Because I, I know it would be difficult hearing your name. I, I've been through it a few times, hearing your name mentioned in trade rumors and, and not knowing what's going to happen if you're going to pick up your family and move to someplace else. How do you maintain the focus to actually go out and play the game? Uh, honestly, the good thing for me is I've literally been in so many trade rumors over the years, and none <laughs> of them happened during the season. So that helps me, like, you know, I don't really even think about it because I don't believe it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Because it's happened so many times and it hasn't happened. There's really no reason for me to either get my hopes up or get down about getting traded. You know what I'm saying? So I just continue to go day by day, 
and whatever happens honestly happens. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot you can do about it. Whenever my name was mentioned in a in a trade, it was either for a rosin bag or a dozen balls, so it really didn't affect me a whole lot. <laughs> At least I get two bats. I get about two, three bats. <laughs> <laughs> well, D, listen, hey, man, uh, appreciate you coming on. I know it's uh, early for you out there. You guys at home, right? You guys are in Seattle? Yeah, we home. We in Seattle, yes, sir. Okay, so we'll, we'll appreciate you coming on uh, on the show today, and uh, I know you and I will catch up at some point real soon. I do. Thanks so much, D. Thank I you, appreciate man. it. Thanks again for listening in to another edition of Big Time Baseball. You can listen to Radio.com, Big Time Baseball, Players Edition, but you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast by searching Big Time Baseball. You can also find us on Twitter at RDC Sports. Until next time, we'll see you, Tony Gwynn Jr., Ben Davis, Big Time Baseball. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.